0: Welcome, Welcome to the EAST, to the East Traumacast. TraumaCast. This program is brought to you by the Online Education Committee of the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma. Advancing science, fostering relationships, and building careers. Check out the awesome educational content at East.org, including our sister podcast, CareerCast. You can find East Minutes on our YouTube channel and follow all the latest news on Twitter at East underscore Trauma. Now, on to the TraumaCast.
1: I'm Lauren Judith, a trauma and acute care surgeon from West Virginia University. First, we'd like to say thank you to Humanetics for their generous and unrestricted educational grant for the online education committee and TraumaCast. The first TraumaCast was published on August 19, 2011. Though so it started as just a man and a mic, TraumaCasts are now produced by a committee with nearly 30 volunteers and 146 TraumaCasts have been produced. Today, we celebrate the 10-year anniversary of TraumaCast with a group of very special and if you're an avid fan, well-known guest. Co-moderating with me is Michael Radomsky. Mike, tell us who you are.
2: So my name is Mike Rodomsky. I'm a trauma surgeon at Ohio Health Great Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio.
1: And now for our guest, introduce yourself, your role in TraumaCast history, and what time you were involved.
3: My name is uh, Bob Axarani. I'm the chief of trauma surgery at George Washington University Hospital in Washington, D.C., and I'm the first guy who started TraumaCast.
1: Hi, I'm Matt
4: Martin. I'm a trauma surgeon in San Diego, California, uh, transitioning to Los Angeles, California. I took over the TraumaCast program basically from Babak.
5: I'm Dave Morris. I followed in the footsteps of Matt Martin. And as we will likely get into, I've had a, a time zone failure, which was a frequent uh, occurrence in the history of a trauma cast. And so I'm at 11,500 feet on a hike right now. So I'm uh, trading a cell signal for wind noise.
6: Hi, everyone. I'm Carrie Valdez. I am your current Online Education Committee Chair at EAST. I'm also one of the TraumaCast hosts that I came
1: in after David, and I currently work as a trauma and acute care surgeon at Ohio State University. All right. Well, great to have you guys. This is really a humbling experience as a moderator.
2: The first question is for Dr. Cerani. Can you tell us a little bit about how TraumaCast came about, where you got the idea from, and did you ever think that it was going to morph into something as big as it is today?
3: Well, I'll start with the last first. And the short answer is no, I kind of always hoped it would. And I think as we get into it, I'll, I'll readily admit up front that the TraumaCast as a whole got substantially better, in my opinion, when Matt and Dave took it over. And we can talk about why that is. But I really have to give a shout out to those guys. I'm not saying that because they're listening, because that's just a simple fact. I think it got better. You know, b- back when TraumaCast first came into my mind, you have to go back to around 2008, or 2009, uh, back then, believe it or not, podcasts were novel. iTunes was still relatively novel. And so this was very much in the beginnings of this whole concept. And, um, you know, a person named Richard Savell, who is a medical intensivist in New York, had created a podcast long before I, we created TraumaCast. It was through SCCM. And he called it the Eye Critical Care Podcast, I think, something to that effect. And I used to listen to it all the time. And this is at the same time that I was trying to listen to music and trying to get the whole idea of the functionalities of an iPhone. And so I thought, well, you know, if Dr. Saval can do it for SCCM and critical care, and that was really insightful for a 30-minute drive, we should do it for trauma. And I just happened to be lucky enough to run into Richard. And he came down to Philadelphia and took an FCCS course with us. And he was my student. I was the course director. And I was like a little starstruck. I was like, oh, you're Richard Savell. Holy cow, I actually listened to you. And this must be really difficult. Uh, And he goes, no, man, it's really easy. And so I'm sure we'll get into the details of it all. But long story short, he had me record a podcast on how to put on an FCCS course, some very mundane topic. And in doing so, I learned how simple it is. And I pitched the idea initially to Pat Riley. We should probably talk about Pat, who is a very dear friend and very much one of my mentors, who said, sure, but you got to tell Dr. Schwab, who was the chief, still is, at Penn. And I told Dr. Schwab as he was ruffling through papers in his office. And I swear to you, he had no idea what I was talking about. I could just tell you that. But he was like, it sounds kooky. And Pat said, okay. So basically, okay, I'm really busy right now. And that's all I needed. And with that, I was off to the races and we can get into the details, but that's basically the beginnings of how it came to be.
4: (laughs) But Bach, I'd be interested to hear, you know, did you bring this to the East leadership? And, and what did they say? Or did you just record some? and <laughs> then Were you uh, on a
3: committee? <laughs> no. So I had no idea how East even worked. Like, literally, I had no You guys have to understand something. I am an idiot. And that's just a fact. Uh, when I went to Penn, I did not know Penn was an Ivy League school until I showed up. And I was like, why do these guys have all these, like... Um, all these like signs and icons and, and emblems. I mean, who do they think they are? Ivy league. And then I was told, no, they are the Ivy league. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh my God, I've joined the (laughs) Ivy league. I had no clue. So, so bottom line, I don't, I don't, I was not part of a committee. I had no clue about the board of directors. I had no idea about funds and allocation of money, but long story short, I bought the microphones on Amazon and I'm a pretty cheap guy in general. And so I had my own laptop. And I needed a couple of microphones and Richard had some extra equipment that I didn't think was all that necessary. And I bought a suitcase uh, that fitted the microphones. And so the whole thing cost, end of story, 800 bucks. And so Pat Riley said, well, you should contact this person named Christine Ean. And I had no idea who Christine was, That she was the executive director of East. And so I was like, okay. So I, I contacted Christine and I was like, I, have no clue who you are or what your role is but pat said i should call you and i need 800 bucks and i got this crazy <laughs> idea <laughs> but i don't know <laughs> i have no idea with whom she even spoke to authorize you over obviously was a discussion to this day i don't know how she got 800 but next thing you know i was given permission and so i charged 800 bucks on my credit card and i went amazon hunting and Equipment started arriving to my house and my wife was like, why are you buying like microphones and a suitcase? And I was like, well, I got this kooky idea, see? And I used GarageBand to record the podcast. And, um, and I went up and down kind of within easy drive of Philadelphia. So I went to Baltimore. I went to Christiana and Delaware, you know, places you can get to easily, but spe- still speak to some really world famous trauma surgeons. Like Mike Rhodes was the first trauma uh, cast that we recorded. Uh, Donna Christiana and Dr. Scalia, I think was the second one, and Mike, uh, um, Tom Scalia, and so on and so forth. So it was easy drives. And I just started recording them. And I would, and Christine introduced me to the people who, I don't know if they still use them or not, uh, The that, that control the East website, Webitex. And I got to be friends with the lead guy for Webitex. And he would, <laughs> he gave me a, a FTP protocol, a file transfer protocol IP address, where I would. I fix the trauma cast and I would upload them because they were too big to email. And so I was like, okay, so I kind of figured out what FTP is all about and how to transfer files. And I would timestamp them so they would release on the month every month. So I would upload in batches and I would just walk away and not look at it again for months. So the whole thing was kind of like me talking to people I always wanted to meet with an excuse. And I would read a couple of papers that they wrote and I'd be like, so I want to talk to you about this paper you wrote because people generally speaking like to talk about their own papers. And i really getting into the nitty gritty of like, no, seriously, I know you found this thing, but do you really mean that? And that was the question I posed to Tom Scalia, right? Because Dr. Scalia's podcast was hepatic necrosectomy for like high grade liver injuries that then have, you know, hepatic necrosis and then people get fevers forever and they get abscesses and we standard of care is you drain them and you sit on them and you scan them back and forth, back and forth. He was like, you should just go take out the dead liver. But he, one or two patients died on the table. And so if you listen to podcast number two, you'll hear me ask Tom Scalia point blank. Do you think it's worth it? I mean, my patients linger in the hospital forever, but you lost one or two people on the table. You think it's worth it? And so we asked them some fairly tough questions. I'll leave it to the audience to listen to TraumaCast number two, as far as what Dr. Scalia said. <laughs> and then uh, Dr. Kroos, Martin Kroos down at um, Memphis. You know, he found like a, a really, I don't remember this story anymore, but he found a very complicated, very controversial finding. And I kind of said to him, look, Dr. Cross, that doesn't make much sense. It's not intuitive at all. How do you explain that? And he was like, yeah, I have no idea. And then just dead air. And I was like, "Ah, uh, <laughs> this is like radio. You can't have dead air. And I wasn't expecting the answer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, so it was, it was fun. It really was fun. And I really got to meet people who are giants in the field of trauma surgery. So that's how it came to be. And then uh, ultimately, I was voluntold to be on the IT committee, which doesn't even exist anymore, because I was, I was kind of the guy who was doing things. And one last thing, and I'll stop talking and let Matt kind of take over from there, is, you know, East was exceptionally good to me, because I was just this dumb kid making podcasts, I really didn't expect much other than to be left alone and be allowed to make my podcasts. That made me very happy. But, you know, one day I got a phone call that said, hey, at the next East meeting, at the annual meeting, uh, during the business meeting, you can just sit in the front row. And I was like, why? What did I do wrong? And, you know, I, <clears throat> to this, I, I literally had no idea why I was supposed to sit in the front row. But they, they called me up to the stage and gave me an award, which I thought was very endearing. You know, like I, would, I didn't expect that. And so I still have that plaque of the East Volunteerism Award. And I I will say of all the things East has done for me, between the networking, the advancement of my career, getting to know people, publishing my findings, presenting my findings, that is the single most important thing to me because it was completely unanticipated. um, And it's certainly not something that I even thought would happen, that people would recognize me in the background, my own colleagues and Christine, meant a lot to me.
4: I'll say, I think there's two good lessons there for takeaways. The one is there's a whole lot of junior people with great ideas. And and oftentimes what's stopping them is not the idea. It's the feeling of, well, who the hell am I to do this? Or, you know, nobody knows me. Nobody's going to like this idea. Um, And so I think that's a great example of, you know, someone taking their idea and, and just going for it. And the worst thing anybody can ever say is no. Right. So I would just say anybody, I don't care where you are in your career. You know, you can certainly start something meaningful in one of these organizations. And then I think the second point is of the organizations, you know, probably East is the most ideal one for something like this because of the focus on the, you know, the young career person and, and really, really supporting new ideas. And I love all three organizations and I'm a member of all three and each has its strengths. And I'd say this is one of East's of you know really allowing junior people to to take some ideas and run with it and and sometimes they work and turn out spectacular like this one and sometimes they don't but if they don't it's a learning experience and then you move on
6: yeah i'm gonna second echo that i think every person i've ever asked
4: if they wanted to do a
6: trauma cast or be a moderator the very very first hesitancy is i don't i don't know how i've never done that i i just joined i've only been a member for two years like they feel too junior and that's exactly exactly how i felt I'm gonna jump forward like eight years, David had emailed me and said, hey, your name came up to be a TraumaCast moderator. Are you interested? And I'm like, holy crap, more words than crap, but holy crap, like I can't believe David Morris is like emailing me, like me. Like I had been on a committee, I think I was on the Injury and Violence Prevention Committee for maybe six months at that point. And um, so he said he was gonna call me the next day and we were, we were driving, we dropped my daughter off at gymnastics and then the phone rang. Um, from somewhere out West and I made my husband pull over. I was like, you have to be absolutely quiet. And Dave Morris is calling, Dave Morris is calling. So he, so I let the phone ring appropriately and I pick it up and I'm like, hello, right? My, I try to get my most professional like trauma cast voice out like the Babak Sarani original. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't know David at all. I'd never spoken to him and he was you know, gracious and kind. And he just asked me, Do you, are you interested in being a trauma cast moderator? And I said, sure. And he said, oh, have you ever done any editing? I said, no. This dude, have you ever done a, a, any recording? No. And David was a, a DJ in college. Uh, so he at least had a little tiny social experience with this. And he said, well, do you have GarageBand? And I said, what's GarageBand? And my husband who had been dead quiet until this point, leans over. And he's like, we are not getting a Mac. <laughs> so I said, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I don't know how to use GarageBand, but I'll figure something out. But it was great. And then I, and I started, right? So I, I knew nothing about any of this. And I think that's been the experience I think David might have the most experience being a DJ in college of anyone who's ever done a podcast for us, and you just kind of sorted out their people and their senior senior moderators. Uh, you know, Matt and Dave, Kevin, Babak, like everyone who's above me that kind of helped me sort out how to even do it and, and the support's there. And That's certainly a strength of East. I would have to, to second that for sure. Aside
3: from okay. the um, the benefits that you think each individual moderator has received. You know, when I came to George Washington, it was a de-verified, de-designated trauma center. I mean, I can't, the, the story of GW is the story of the Phoenix. It was a trauma center in the eight, 1980s, before there were trauma verification committees. And then it completely lost everything it had, only to hopefully, I mean, nowadays, regain it, thank God. But being able to say, my name is Bobak Sarani, I'm the moderator of the East TraumaCast at George Washington, had extreme value to George Washington which is you know trying to resurrect itself as a legitimate trauma center. So there's there's benefits to be had at the individual level and to Matt's point about the up and coming trauma surgeon trying to make a name for him or herself and get to know you know get to put his or her reputation out there. But I'll be honest with you uh, as I've kind of spoken to others younger than myself you can leverage this uh you should leverage this as a value to your institution that that institution is not affiliated with a premier organization like East with a listenership as broad as Promacast, that's not a joke. And any institution that does not value that really should question itself.
5: I I had a question for you, and this might, I don't know, this might take us into the next segment here. But Bob, I know when I listened to your early versions, you were very formal. And I wondered, was that advice that you got? Because it was very, I, I always kind of felt embarrassed about how kind of fly by the seat of my pants I did the the trauma cast and I because I know yours were very polished and very formal just wondering if, how that came about is that advice that you got or I, I mean because I know you I know you're not a very polished person in general just, just, but,
0: um, just curious about that because
5: because that was one of the things that when when Matt called me and, and we started doing it, it was kind of like we wanted to kind of move it into more of a conversational kind of direction so I, I just want to hear kind of the origins of that if, if you don't mind.
6: And before you, answer, before you answer, Bobak, for the audience, for those listeners who might not have gone back 146 trauma casts to listen to the original, would you please introduce us to the trauma cast?
3: Hello, my name is Bobak Sarani, and I'm, I don't remember the rest. It's just a <laughs> or I'm some but it was the. Uh, so so I, the answer to Dave's question is you know, it's hilarious. I am not a polished person. I, I take pride in that. I'm a man of the people, as uh, some of the guys over at Penn used to say. <laughs> But to be honest with you, I'm a little bit on the formal side. I'm a guy from who grew up in California who self-exiled on the East Coast and has no desire whatsoever to return to California ever again. You got you Californians like Matt are just way too, uh, way too not formal enough for me. How you doing, dude? I don't want to tell you how I'm doing. So two things, and I think, but I think Dave, this is why I got better with Matt, Matt and you. I really mean it. So I started just I figured, look, conservative is a good way to go. So I would lower my voice and. Everyone tells me I speak too fast. That's probably the most common negative criticism I get of any course I teach. So I try to lower my uh, speed and uh, lower my voice. And the little jingle that I took was like a, that um, was a canned jingle on iTunes. I just looked around. Remember, this is 2009. Um, so in, I think that the fact you guys took it to a more conversational tone and the, the opening jingle that had like helicopters and the two of you, speaking in turn, like keying off each other. I think that was a gigantic step forward. I really, really mean that. And I think the trauma started to become just a little bit stale with me as the sole moderator, with my somewhat monotone voice. I and mean, you notice that the trauma cast started maybe like, I don't know, I don't know how many I did, one through, I don't know, 10 or something like that, were like 45 minutes to an hour. And they got shorter and shorter. And the reason they got shorter and shorter is I was getting kind of tired. And there's only so many you can do by yourself before it starts becoming stale. And that's one reason I gave it up. I quickly realized that the excitement factor is starting to wane a little bit. Each trauma cast would take me about five, six hours per trauma cast, because I had to read the papers beforehand, reach out, set up the talk. So set up, you know, make an appointment, then make the recording, then edit the recording, then upload it. So if I did, let's say 10, almost one a month, that was about 60 hours worth of work. And I think you guys partnering up helped quite a bit. And I think you guys just changing it helped quite a bit. And to be honest with you, to this day, once in a blue moon, I still listen to the opening jingle. Cause I think the helicopters and the back and forth between this is Matt Martin and this is Dave Worth. I love that.
5: Well, that was all Matt. Matt Matt's, it. Matt's the genius <laughs> that made that up. That was watching YouTube videos of how to use GarageBand.
4: I knew I should have bought a Mac. <laughs> <laughs>
5: But um, that's the other okay. major theme, right, is watching YouTube, because I feel like we all just kind of MacGyvered our way through this, because like I didn't know that much about video editing or audio editing, and, and, and Matt was always like, hey, everything's on YouTube these days, and so I still use that when I need to do an operation that I don't know how to do. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and, and let me correct, Babak, it didn't get stale you know, under him. What had happened is it got turned over, and then uh, one, or, one or two people... Took it over and they just kind of let it wither because, like he's mentioned, this it does take a significant investment, and you know you can slack off a little and suddenly six months has gone by and you don't have an episode put out, and, and I think that's what happened is it it went from Babak who was very dedicated, uh, you know, to uh, one or two people who didn't just didn't have the time for it, so at that point it was either try and resurrect it or just you know let it go. And, and listening to Babak's initial trauma cast, we, we were like, these, these are gold. We, we have <laughs> to continue this. I mean, people loved it. So, so that was a no brainer. And then the other thing I would say is whenever we would bring on new moderators, I would always get some emails of, of hey, I, w- I want to do an episode on this. And I think this person and this person, big name X, big name Y would be great. C- can you email them? I don't know them. and And I'd say that's the other thing is you're inviting trauma surgeons to talk about themselves or right. talk about a topic with an audience. You will have no difficulty. <laughs> you don't need to know them. In fact, it might be better if you don't. You just need to say, hey, I want you to talk about something and it's going to be broadcast.
6: If I do a Gmail search for Matt Martin, the majority of my interactions with him on email have been, hey, Matt, I want to this topic. Who do you think I should ask? <laughs>
5: Yeah, but almost everybody
6: says yes almost everybody yeah. says yes it, with enthusiasm they like it it's been fun
5: yeah, that's even true for Ken Maddox that was my biggest because uh, I was you know brand new nobody and I, I I had to email or call I can't remember how I contacted him but I felt like I was like calling the White House I mean Ken Maddox holy cow <laughs> uh, and you know he literally wrote the book and yet he, he couldn't have been nicer couldn't have been more agreeable and he's like you tell me when we can do it and I'll make time and He was just uh, super friendly. And, you know, that's been my experience across the board. I haven't had any negative interactions and it really just kind of reaffirms what great people we work with in our field.
1: Now we want to get into some of the other aspects of history. For the record, we're talking by Zoom. They're talking about California people being more casual, but Matt is the only one in his office. Babak (laughs) is sitting in his pool (laughs) Dave is hiking in the mountains, Um, but can you tell us where the strangest you ever recorded was?
6: Uh, We did the um, East Assembly, kind of the compilations, if you've listened to them, where we interview a lot of people, and in the previous year, David had an experience where he was recording his interview outside of a men's restroom. And you could hear it on the trauma cast, the toilets flushing and everybody coming in and out of the restroom. So I made it my goal to find a nice, quiet, reserved place. And in fact, most hotels have cement stairwells that have a nice echo to it, almost like a sound studio. They're fireproof, so they're soundproof, and no one's ever in them. And so I would just steal anybody who had spoken at a conference and bring them into the stairwell to do the interviews. And I'm thinking the sound recording is great, and I didn't recognize how how suspect it looked until someone pulled me inside and said what is going on in the stairwell like you kind of leave for 15 minutes with someone and like no one's smiling because I don't know anybody right we're all strangers and they've just finished presenting and they're still sweating in their suit And I'm like you want to come with me in the stairwell right and then we leave the stairwell and we're all happy and we're best friends and joking and jovial and I'll email you and I'll twitter you what happens in that stairwell so it's kind of become a joke when I get there now. I'm like, are we going back in the stairwell? Have you found your stairwell? So that's my strange place that I, that I like to interview. I don't know about the rest of you.
5: Well, just a quick comment on the toilet flushing. That just shows how far we'd fallen from the Babak polish to the, <laughs> to the Morris uh, toilet flush. So uh, been, it's, it's been uh, improving since my uh, nadir.
4: I recorded one episode on deployment, so I was somewhere in Afghanistan, remarkably had a decent internet connection, and in, in the middle of it, you know, whenever we would have indirect fire coming in, a very loud indirect fire alarm would go off and, and say, seek cover, uh, so that went off in the middle of the recording, and they would also cut off the internet as soon as we would get indirect fire, so uh, so that was the, the most original location, and interrupted the middle of a trauma cast, which we then had to go back and restart.
6: It's yes, Speaking of deployment, I think, the, I think it was the one we did um, on being in the military. We had with you, with yourself and a couple other people. And I think we were stretched over 17 different time zones in three different. Oh God, my husband being so embarrassed. I don't know the word areas of engagement, areas of battle, something. And we were stretched and we managed to get everybody uh, on for an hour. That, that one was fun, but that was a, a huge stretch of time. I think it might've been Dave who did the trauma cast with somebody and they didn't mute themselves. And you could hear a resident come into the room or or a staff member or colleague, somebody comes in and whoever you were interviewing goes, listen, I don't give a, what's going on? I'm in the middle of something here. And we had no way to edit it because he spoke right over top of somebody else's like four or five minute, really good clinical explanation of what was going on.
2: Yeah, Dr. Morris, is this your first trauma cast from 11,000 feet? Is this the...
5: Uh, <laughs> yeah, this might be the highest elevation that I've done one, actually. Uh, it's not as glamorous as being in a, in a war zone, but it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good view from up here.
4: You have a good signal.
5: Yeah, that's that's one of the things I was, I was hoping. There's actually a little shelter at the top of this mountain. I was hoping to get in there so I wouldn't have wind noise. And I just am not as fast as... I'm too old and I'm not as fast as I thought I was, so... I'm uh, taking shelter on the leeward side here. So, but yeah, the signal's good once you get up onto the ridge. So it's great. Yeah, everybody should move out West, Babak. <laughs> <I'll,
6: laughs> we'll have to uh, indoctrinate Mike a bit. This is his first trauma cast with us or second one, excuse me. Uh, I noticed you've been calling everybody Dr. Doctor Morris, Dr. Cerani. Um, When did you guys, uh, Matt, Dave and Babak, like, when did you decide to go that casual to, to get away from the more formal doctor this, doctor that? almost like a bad um, 70s movie and switched to just informal first names. And on that note, who was the most difficult you can remember calling them by their first names? I'll I... start. Mine was Jose Diaz. I can't call Jose Diaz Jose. He was my fellowship director. It was, it, was, it was painful, it was embarrassing, I was sweating at pits. And I just finally just said, I have to call you Dr. Diaz. I can't do this anymore.
3: <laughs> uh, fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure I skirted the whole issue because I would introduce them by their full name, like Dr. Tom Scalia. And then I would just never refer to him by name again. I would be like, no, I'd be like, so in your article about this, or what do you think about that? I would go for the second person pronoun and avoid the whole. And then at the end, I'd be like, so we've been talking to Dr. Tom Scalia. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I avoided the whole topic to not have to deal with it. The only person who there's no chance on the planet I would ever call by their first name is Dr. Britt, who I interviewed. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Britt will, for the rest of his life and my life, be Dr. Britt.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I'd say Gene Moore. Dean Moore was the, the tough one of calling him anything other than Dr. Moore, you know, and he, uh, he looks like that uh, uh, Sam Shepard Western character who's going to, you know, kill you at any minute.
5: I think the first name thing is, again, another one of Matt's innovations. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but I think uh, you kind when of, when you first gathered us together, you kind of said, look, this is an East thing. East is all about, you know, mentorship and fostering relationships. And East is a first name kind of organization. And so let's uh, let's try to stick to that. And I think, for the most part, it, you know, it, it took some getting used to. I think uh, Doctor Maddox. I think was. The, I, I think everybody calls him Doctor Maddox. Would anybody call him Ken? I I just I can't imagine that. But I think I, no, I call that, him I was Kenny or Kenji. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, I was. Yeah, it was pretty Doctor. good with the first name, but it was it was hard, especially because you know you're a brand new. You feel like you're just you're just barely out of training, and to go along with you know, who am I to approach these people, but then again, who am I to call them by their first name? And so it just it kind of like, it forces you to confront your imposter syndrome kind of front and center. So uh, it was a good thing. It was a, it was a good thing developmentally for me, I would say.
1: If you guys have a favorite episode, can you tell us what that one would be and why? And maybe this will garner some interest in some of our more legacy episodes.
6: While you think about that, I want to tell the audience, we are going through all the older trauma casts and, and sorting them by ones that should be re-listened to and ones that should be kind of archived. And we'll start noting them in the next few months on which ones are archived. But the Home Office has been great about republishing some uh, uh, very popular episodes just so we can see them because we we publish them about once a month. And then in the intervening reading weeks, uh, there's an extra one so you can look for that. It may not come across your feed, but you'll see it on Twitter and then you can click on the link. Uh,
3: I have to admit to you, Lauren, I don't really have a favorite episode. Yeah. I mean, the topics that I did were as diverse as, you know, Mike Rhodes on clinical practice guidelines. That was episode one, Tom Scalia on the hepatectomy, which I thought was really fascinating down to Joe Sakran uh, who he and I were drinking wine actively recording in my basement on how to get into a fellowship, how to get into a trauma fellowship. Cause he had just finished his fellowship. And I was like, who better to ask than someone who literally just did it. And I kind of said, if you come to my house, I promise you, my wife Tina will make you dinner, but quid pro quo, I want a trauma cast <laughs> So uh, I don't have a favorite. I think each of them has memories.
4: Um, yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, that's hard. I guess two of the memorable ones. We did one from the Western Trauma Association meeting that year. That, that was one of my first ones. And that was just a lot of fun because that wasn't interviewing one or two people, you know, it was probably 10 or 15 people. Um, sitting down with Gene Moore and just hearing some insight on the Journal of Trauma and and you know and how everything works with that, which is something I knew nothing about, uh, and and also realizing how hard it was to do one of those episodes where you're trying to do it from a meeting and and you're interviewing you know ten or fifteen people, uh, which is why we didn't do many of those again. Uh, and, and then I think the other my other favorite one was uh, we did a, a one on COVID early in the pandemic from New York City um, with Shell Tepperman and and his team. And uh, I, I just thought that was fantastic because we were hearing from the people who were on the front lines and everybody was still trying to figure it out. Nobody knew what we were. Uh, so, so I thought that was a really, really interesting one and, and hopefully a useful one for listeners.
3: There's a tr- trauma cast Carrie did that re- reminded me of one I did that I did not like very much, it wasn't satisfying. In my attempt to understand all of these various scoring systems, the, you know, the ISS, the NISS, the TRIS, the this, the that, I called up Howard Champion, who's like the father of scoring systems. And he and I had a conversation on TraumaCast. And the reason I didn't like it is I, I still didn't understand anything. Like I, I just wasn't smart enough to understand Dr. Champion's statistics. And so I went in hoping to learn a few things myself and came out wondering, God, I hope the audience doesn't realize how truly dumb I am. Carrie did a trauma cast, which I really enjoyed listening. Then went back and asked them about statistics and brought in some of the scoring systems. And I, the, the title was Nifty, Carrie. It was something like ABC, Easy as 1, 2, 3, or, some, or I don't know, something about acronyms. Um, and I thought it was a nice little redo of what I had attempted to do, but I didn't feel I had
6: succeeded. I think the um, the one you're you're merging two of them. It's, it was funny when when Lauren asked the question, "What were your favorites?" and and then someone said, "What's the most memorable?" So and they, they're really two different ones for me. One of my most memorable ones is the one you're you're just describing, alphabet soup, n t i n t r r c n t r o my, because this helped to kind of explain all the research stuff. In a way that not to to toot my own horn or toot too much, but I will, I finally get it. I was like, now this is where I go and get help and support and how I want to do it more on a national level. Um, Another memorable one in the same regard was the statistics one. So I actually did one on statistics and every moderator has a little bit of anxiety about how the trauma cast is going to go. And this one, I just thought, oh, my goodness, if there is a way that I can make this interesting in, in any way possible, this is you had to pull it all the stops for this. And I liked it. It was actually a lot of fun. and It was entertaining. And, and I learned quite a bit and I received some good feedback. But the most memorable one um, was the one we did, Matt. So just the behind the scenes, we usually have a couple of moderators who agree to do a trauma cast. And then if one of us has a case or gets pulled out, we just text everybody, and say, hey, is anybody free to jump on and join? That's how it was when it was with, um, Matt and I and Kevin and David. And I got a text that afternoon. Hey, I think I can remember who couldn't come. And Matt said, can you just join us? We're talking EVDMC for endovascular trauma and resuscitation management. And it's the first time that another moderator asked me a direct question about how I would handle a clinical situation. I can remember where I was standing. I can remember the question. I can remember everything about it. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I, I can't answer this. I'm not I'm not experienced. Enough. Why Why would you ask me a question? Don't ask me questions. So that, was, I mean, that one burned and seared into my soul. And, and I hope my answer was at least appropriate, but it was, how would you manage a gunshot wound to the uh, brachial artery in a stable patient? You know, would you operate, would you, would you do an endovascular block and then operate? Would you just do an endovascular stent? So that one, that one stuck out, but I think some of the, the favorite ones, certainly the COVID series, all four of them that we did, I really enjoyed for the same reasons Nat described that we, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do or, or where to go for a lot of um, the clinical questions. And we were able to talk to people who were experiencing it right in front of us because event management was a bit different than we had experienced before. The pain series, Baba, you were on um, one of those. We did a couple on pain management and non-opioid pain management. It's one that I've listened to over and over again um, for help. And then um, really, the, this is our lane uh, was one of the first kind of really social issues that we touched. And, um, and we debated for a while if we should, but it was a Big topic in our community, regardless of which side you you sit on, and we did get some strong feedback on having episodes like that. But but I do find them to be some of my favorites, just to really get an idea more than whatever whatever the 164 characters on a Twitter you can get, but actually to get someone's well thought out uh, response to social issues.
1: I think that's one of the things that's so cool about Traumacast is that you really are getting the experts in the field. And even though social media has changed our access to some of these people more than when TraumaCast first came out, you, know, you can get the people that are in the heart of the COVID battle, right? When it's happening and, um, and we really get to hear from the, the experts about how they would do things. And that's the thing I think that's still so interesting every time we talk to different people with, about their papers. One of our recent ones was about uh, morale level lesions and even though the paper was a couple years old, it's still the only one that's out there about it. And so we get to talk to you know the creators.
2: Yeah, it, that paper is brought up on rounds multiple times at our institution, and, uh, and that uh, that trauma cast. I tell all our junior residents to go and listen to because I think that one is so valuable. And I think that uh, you know East always um, everyone always says that. Uh, the guidelines, the practice management guidelines are so synonymous with EAST, but I think that TraumaCast has really kind of become that for a large part of the younger generation, incoming trauma surgeons, because we look to it for a lot of our advice of how to manage with complex issues, listening to all the giants of trauma surgery.
3: Well, I mean, like it or not, the principles of adult learning and the techniques of adult learning have changed, right? So when my mentors, you know, when Dr. Schwab, Dr. Peitzman, when they were in turn learning the art of uh, surgery and and then subsequently trauma surgery, and when they wrote about it, you know, we all have a 2,000-page textbook. I mean, you mentioned Ken Maddox's and Dr. Feliciano's, you know, textbook. These days, not so much. I mean, these days, it's all about using electronic means to uh, transmit information and a 30-minute snippet of info is actually more valuable in today's way of learning and getting information than telling someone to go home and read two chapters on hepatic trauma. It just it just doesn't happen that way anymore. And that was that was what I learned from Richard Savell is the technique of imparting information and the technique of t- taking in information was in flux. That was changing, and so. We, we just hopped on, on, on the press. And that's kind of what you're talking about now, Mike, is uh, talking about telling your residents to go home and listen to TraumaCast. That would have never occurred when I was a resident. I was supposed to go home and read chapter after chapter of a 2,000 page mammoth textbook.
5: Yeah, I was going to say, too, those are some of my favorite episodes where you have a real, real expert in the field kind of cone down and summarize. Uh, a big topic. So I'm thinking like uh, we had Dr. Seiss who did vascular trauma. That was a phenomenal episode. Um, Deb Stein talking about brain trauma foundation guidelines. I mean, I learned more from however long I spent with her on the phone than I could have reading it myself for sure. And I go back to that one all the time, you know, Phil Spinella and Alan Murdoch talking about whole blood. That's what I love about is that you really can it's just an efficient way of learning these big topics, if you, especially if you know nothing about it to start with.
4: Like most of us, I've written a ton of book chapters and I can say, I, I'm still waiting for someone to come up to me at a meeting and say, oh, hey, I, I know you from this book chapter. <laughs> if, if there's a young person who comes up to me at a meeting and this happens for at least every meeting and says, oh, you, you're the one from Traumacast. It's certainly never from anything I've published or anything else I've done, but they'll say, oh yeah. I know you from Traumacast, or I've done a couple episodes of Border View for Behind the Knife. It's always one of those two. I know your voice. You're from Traumacast or Behind the Knife. So, so I'd say this, this uh, program has had a much further reach than, than pretty much anything uh, else we've done, or at least I've done academically.
5: It's kind of funny the gravitas that it like kind of falsely gives you. I mean, like the fact that you were intimidated to talk to me on the phone, Carrie, I think still (laughs) like just makes me chuckle to no end because, you know, I mean, who the heck am I? Right. And uh, and and so um, it it, it definitely um, it definitely gave what was a boost to my career that I certainly wasn't making academically uh, unlike you, Matt. So I think
6: it was fun. The first time I was recognized, maybe not at outside of an East particular meeting, I was interviewing, you know, out of training um, a couple of years after I graduated and I was in an elevator and I was talking to the person giving me a tour of the hospital. And from behind me in the elevator, somebody goes, oh, I run to you. And I'm like, creepy. What is that? And I was like, excuse me. She's like, you, for- I run, I go running. I listen to your voice when I go running. And she looks me up and down and goes, you're not what I thought you'd look like, but I know you. <laughs> Which was great. It was a lot of fun. On that note, though, as much as you get some, some recognition, um, it, the, the funny thing that happened in my uh, previous position, brand new partner um, and another guy was hired at the same time and we're getting to know each other we're in the call room and he says oh yeah yeah trauma cast trauma cast yeah no i love it i love that it's one of my favorite podcasts i said oh thanks he goes yeah when i you know i get bad insomnia sometimes and if i can't sleep man, i just put that on and it works like a charm every time (laughs) i'm like thank thank you thank you very much i'll keep that in mind
1: (laughs) your soothing voice (laughs) i said (laughs) no
2: Maybe she was talking about Bobbix. Uh, <laughs> right,
0: right. <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah. No, uh, he uh, he and I joke around about that now. It's been years and he's still like, I promise I stayed awake for the whole episode this time.
1: <laughs> what kind of the position we know that Traumacast has gone through, is there anything you guys have hopes for for the future of Traumacast or the online education committee? Because we have a couple other newer endeavors that we've gone through.
3: Well we were talking before uh, we went live on the recording about trauma Bay, Matt and I were chatting about that, which was in a an endeavor that failed. I must admit i I championed it, but uh, this one wasn't a success story. and this was it was meant to be more of a chat channel where people would post ideas or thoughts and the others would write back and that 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 failed for a number of reasons. East was kind enough to fund it to a large degree uh, but ultimately I had to pull the plug on it so. You know, some ideas are good and stick. Some ideas are good and don't stick. So I'm not sure where the, where the committee will go next, but I'm curious to follow along. I'm probably a little too old these days to come up with
4: novel ideas. Yeah, I, I was actually just thinking about that, of what, what would be kind of the next evolution. And and one, I think, you know, pod, podcasts are still uh, very popular and a great way of conveying things. So so I, I certainly wouldn't think we need to move away from them or change things. But, but some of the things the committee has done uh, under Dave and under Carrie, like the East minutes uh, have been great. The town hall debates uh, we would have every once in a while; those are great. Um, I think moving into some more multimedia stuff, where you have some you know short videos and audio, uh, that's obviously high yield. Um, but yeah, I'll be interested to see what direction it goes in next, or who knows what the the next you know preferred method of communicating knowledge is, is gonna be.
6: Holograms. We're doing holograms <laughs> next year. <laughs>
5: I, just I think you are
6: coded into
1: your brain.
5: <laughs> I think to that, to that point, Matt, I've been, I, I've been actually surprised at the durability of this format because here we are, you know, 10 years later, 12 years later. And, you know, there's still a, a niche that podcasts fill there's, you know, there's always going to be the running like Carrie mentioned, or the gardening or the mowing the lawn or even the commute or whatever. And, and so having an audio only format um, is a remarkably durable and useful way of doing this so I, I would my only hope is that it just continues I mean I, I love hearing the new voices I love hearing the new techniques and uh, the new moderators and so you know I I, I would uh, we I just hope it keeps going strong and it we keep finding new and interesting uh, people to listen to
3: I'll say something I've told some people that I uh, give advice to it might maybe Carrie back in the day or Mike uh, Radomsky might have heard me say this and it's going to come across as a little bit of a who is this guy but honestly I, I've given this advice a lot and I stand by it An airplane is the best place to be academically productive, whether that means you're learning so you can download all the podcasts and listen to them on the airplane. You got six hours, four hours of nobody can mess with you time or write a paper, take your laptop and write a paper. But if you get on an airplane and you watch a movie, you have completely wasted your time. And that is one of the best advice I can, I, well, I don't know best, one of the most common pieces of advice I give people. So I used to download a bunch of podcasts and just listen to them. You know, if I wasn't in the mood to write a paper, listen, you listen to four podcasts, that's two hours of education. You still have three hours left in the airplane right now, plenty of time. So <laughs> I, I think there's something to be said for using podcasts, uh, whether you're driving or doing something where, you know, you, you can't be distracted to watch video and you you can learn.
6: I like a lot of that. I mean, I think, you know, we talk about trauma being 10 years old, podcasting novel. But we as a as a species, we are a storytelling species. Right. Since the dawn of time, since man made fire, since women made quilts, we sit around and talk to each other. It's what we do. And this is our tribe. Right. We have a tribe of a few thousand people internationally. And it's our way to kind of sit around the fire and tell stories and share common knowledge. Right. The, the advent of the TV made it a very visually uh, exciting sharing of knowledge. But we've kind of gone back to the you know, TV was nice, but it was also nice to kind of sit with our community and we can do that um, electronically, not to get too nostalgic, but it, it just warms my heart. Like I was nervous before today because I get to once again, see Matt Martin and Dave Morris and you know, and I hope that you know Lauren and, and Mike do great. And, and I hope that I don't talk too fast or sound too stupid, right? And all that has gone away because I'm sitting with my colleagues from multiple places in the States And sometimes it's international and we just, we share our stories. And I think that is what gives the podcast format its longevity and it's staying power. With that being said, I also am really looking forward to the online education committee continuing to do the trauma cast and have all these new voices. The fact that Lauren has been able to coordinate her, her work group to do a monthly podcast production consistently with high quality on time is phenomenal right and now that it comes down to to her volunteer work to people like Michael the rest of the the group that has joined in with the trauma cast group and the online education committee as a whole is just brimming with ideas so i'm looking forward to moving forward go to make it to your original question lauren you know what do we see for the future of the online education committee one is it's, the trauma cast isn't going anywhere the east minutes continue to be amazing we're starting to do um, some more webinars again bringing that back especially with the online learning being so key recently. Um, And then we're going to coordinate with particularly the CareerCast, right? Because a lot of our stuff can cross-coordinate and cross-pollinate with CareerCast. That committee has revigorated that podcast as well. And then coordinating with all the committees so that at East as a whole, we can start publishing education a little bit less siloed and a little bit more coordinated across all the different committees. Um, Because I think Mikey had said, you know, we're known for the price practice management guidelines. We're known for literature review, we're known for trauma cast, but ultimately that all kind of funnels into the same pot of East is known for education, for free available education for trauma and acute care surgeons, for nursing, for staff, for EMS, for fire providers, I mean, all sorts of people listen to, to what we create as a whole. Um, so coordinating all of that across the board is, is really what we're looking forward. But there's no doubt we're keeping the TraumaCast. We like it. I think it's well-liked. And even if it's just me and the, the five of you and my mom listening, it's an enjoyable thing to do.
4: Well, yeah. And, and like you mentioned, don't forget CareerCast. That, that's another. That is a program that directly came out of TraumaCast of seeing the success of TraumaCast. So that's another legacy for the program. And I think one thing TraumaCast has been really good at is talking about issues ahead of their time, or, or they're out in front of a lot of up-and-coming things. So, you know, TraumaCast was talking about TAG and Rotem before anybody was really using it a lot, talking about lapar- laparoscopy and robotics and MIS and acute care surgery. So that's the other thing I think TraumaCast excels at and should keep doing, is finding those those things that everyone will be talking about six months later.
3: Well, so and to, the, to your point, Matt, the, the one maybe... Um piece of advice I have for the young up-and-coming moderators is you guys are early in your career and I guarantee you whatever question you have in your mind about something clinical, whether it is a TEG, what on earth is a TEG back in the day, or how to deal with hepatic necrosis, or what is a Triss score and how is that different from a Patty score or whatever, I guarantee you if you have that question in your mind, so too do all of your colleagues and probably people who are ahead of you and not necessarily in the same generation as you. So to get to the pinnacle of of surgery, which I think to be a trauma surgeon, personally, my opinion, but it's what I believe. To get to that top 0.0001% means you are unbelievably smart and you're unbelievably motivated. So for you to have a question, I guarantee you others have the same question. So if you simply ask it, by definition, it's not a dumb question, It is very generalizable. And to Matt's point, that's the cutting edge because that's the question. So uh, so I would encourage moderators to do that. You know, you don't have to pick the topic, the topic will pick itself. All you have to ask is what do I want to know about and go after it.
1: It's definitely something Carrie had taught me when I first started moderating and we'd usually edit it out, but she'll say, okay, let's back it up. Let's dumb it down. (laughs) Tell me the basics.
2: (laughs) Imagine I'm a second year resident, right?
1: because that's sometimes how we feel in our heads, even when we're
6: having conversations with our colleagues. It's like, what, what, what acronym did he just use? Do so I know that acronym? I think I know that acronym, right? So this, that's one of the beauties of being a moderator, is you can kind of hide behind the, oh, this is, this is just for the recording. But, but if you want to give me a few more details <laughs> about that, that'd be great.
1: <laughs> well, thank you all. Unless you have anything else you want to share with the group, I think this has been a great conversation. And I hope the next 10 years of TraumaCast is just as productive as this first 10 years. And thank you, Babak, for getting it all started.
6: So I just say, Babak, Matt, and David, I mean, you guys, thank you so much for, for mentoring us and, and showing us the way. And, and Lauren, and I have no doubt with your leadership continuing, that this is going to keep going strong And 10 more years, 20 more years, 30 more years, until we get the holograms up and going. I think the TraumaCast will stick for just a little longer.
3: Well, you guys took me down uh, memory lane. So thank you for that. Uh, enough time has gone by that no one really knows who I am anymore, which is perfectly fine with me. And I would just like to thank everybody who came after me who did not let the torch
4: extinguish. And of course, I think we have to thank Christine Eam, who uh, tirelessly supported the program. You know, and, and like most things, East is the force behind the scenes. Uh, and, and the East leadership, Andrew Bernard, Elliot Hout. All the leaders who were just behind TraumaCast 100% because you you can't do it unless you have the organization support. Yep, absolutely agree with that.
5: Yeah, and and there's a lot of other moderators that maybe uh, that contributed along the way too, like uh, Kevin Pay and Levi Proctor, uh, Faras Madback. A lot lot of people contributed uh, to this as well and uh, put out really great episodes.
6: One, well, we have one funny story about um, feedback on the trauma cast. So we'd publish, I don't know which one it was. And I get this message a few years back from this guy, Andrew, and he says, Hey, just listen to the last trauma cast. It was great. Keep up the good work. And he signs off Andrew and underneath his name, it says UK. And I'm super excited. I write him back. How nice to have <laughs> listeners across the pond. I've been in London when I worked, so you know, so-and-so this is great and of course this email is sent to all of the moderators at the time David and, and Matt were on this email chain and didn't they all chuckle when Andrew wrote back and said no no not the UK the University of Kentucky I'm Andrew Bernard and these guys have to let me know you do know that you are writing an email to our upcoming president Andy Bernard it's like nope mm Clueless, totally
4: clueless. <laughs> but we've
6: since laughed quite a bit about that. But humbling
5: profession, Carrie. It's a humbling um, profession. A humbling
6: profession. Every day. The key is is uh not to step in it. The key is what to do when you're gonna, because it's happening.
3: <laughs> to, to your defense, Carrie, I'm positive there are ponds in Kentucky.
0: <laughs> fun, but I have not yet, so. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. All right, well, thanks everyone. Excellent. All Thank right, you.
3: guys. Yeah. Take care. Thank you. Have a
0: That wraps up another episode of TraumaCast brought to you by the Online Education Committee of the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma. Visit east.org to check out all the great educational and career development resources we have to offer and make sure you subscribe to the TraumaCast series so you don't miss any of our exciting upcoming programs or interviews. If you're searching for cutting-edge science, professional education, networking, and career development, Remember, all you need to do is look to the east.